You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 134. For this edition of the podcast, I chatted with Chris, Lindsay, and Robbie of Radical Dads. You may be familiar with this indie rock trio. They released three critically acclaimed albums in the 2010s before hightailing it out of Brooklyn to different parts of the world. Chris and Lindsay currently live in Sweden and Robbie lives in California, but that didn't stop them from putting out their fourth album, Paved Mountain, back in June. If you're a fan of what I like to call classic indie rock bands like Pavement, Built to Spill, Archers of Loaf, and Super Chunk, then you'll love the sound of Radical Dads. During our interview, we talked about the band's move to different parts of the world and how they managed to finish Paved Mountain despite living thousands and thousands of miles apart. Lindsay's obsession with Herman Melville, Chris's New Jersey power pop pedigree, whether they miss playing shows or not, and a whole lot more. We'll dive right into our interview after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look At My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please like, review, rate, and subscribe on your favorite streaming platform. I also encourage you to check out the Look At My Records website where you can read a review of Radical Dad's brand new album, Paved Mountain. You could also check out playlists, reviews of singles and other albums, premieres, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. I'm here with Radical Dads. Hey, Radical Dads. Lindsay, Chris, and Robbie, it's great to have the three of you on the Look At My Records podcast today. You just released your fourth album, Paved Mountain. It's awesome. I love it. People love it. And it's interesting because you guys were all in Brooklyn together as a band for most of the band's lifespan. But now, Chris and Lindsay, you're in Sweden Rob, you're in California. Chris and Lindsay, just tell me a little bit about how you landed in Sweden and how's it been going out there? Um, well, we were living in New Jersey, the greatest state in America. Um, Hell yeah. We lived in, in um, a town called Metuchen for like three years. And I was sort of, I was working like for myself and Lindsay was working um, as an administrator um, at an um, independent school. Um, and we were kind of having like a very like suburban, like New Jersey life and an opportunity came up um, as opportunities often do to move to Sweden. And so uh, some of my like previous colleagues, like I worked for, for Spotify and like an opening came up there to be, to be a writer. So we thought like maybe we should give living in Sweden a try for, for a while and see, I'd, I'd never lived abroad. Um, and only had been to Sweden once. So we were just like, what was, we know what life in, in the New York area is like. So we're, we're, let's try something different. Um, so we moved here um, almost two years ago. And it was sort of also like some one upmanship because Robbie moved to Santa Cruz. So we just had to move yeah. further, you know, like we just- I'd already abandoned of, like, them. <laughs> so I didn't get any say in the matter. Yeah. <laughs> Robbie, they're calling you out. They're just saying, fuck you. 
<laughs> Pretty much. Chris, like, Chris, they, were, Santa Cruz. <laughs> they were sniffing around uh, in California, thinking about coming out here. And then they went the other direction. I'm still lobbying to get them out here. Yeah, because they could. I could see them living in California. They seem really laid back, chill people for the 15 minutes I've spoken to them. So after being a band, putting out three full lengths together while you're all basically living in the same place, doing band things like playing shows, going on tour and things like that, were you sad to end that chapter of the band? Now this is a totally uh, different phase of the band. What was your reaction to moving forward, separating and things like that? We've entered phase two. Well, we, it also coincided with both Robbie and his wife and Chris and I had a kid. Wait, different kids. <laughs> and at the same time, by like a month. So then it became, you know, we played shows up until like our daughter was born in July. So we were playing shows up until like <laughs> May, I think. So then it just got, it became sort of impossible. I couldn't get down to like <laughs> tweak my pedals and stuff. And then the babies came and then it was just like sort of like brain er- erasure happening. So I think at the time we were, I don't know, like I think we were probably maybe a little happy to have a bit of a break from playing shows, but I miss it now, five years later. I think Chris, Chris missed it the most. <laughs> Why do you think that chance. I yeah. think you missed the chance to get up, get up at the front of the stage and crush out some killer solos. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a, I, I feel like our band is a very like, we're not really a studio band or like when we write stuff, it's just like a lot of it comes from like jamming and just like making stuff up, playing together. So I feel like I am kind of like sad about that phase being over well, i think i think we all missed that i i was mostly yeah. talking about the live shows i think uh, you missed the live shows the most but yeah go on i agree i i missed all that too yeah. <laughs> now yeah, we're a computer band yeah <laughs> yeah i'm curious as to why once you you both had kids you moved to different parts of the world why'd you decide to continue the band i feel like maybe three people in a different situation would say, hey, we had a really great run. We put out three awesome records and we're proud of what we did as Radical Dads. What what about the connection that you guys have as band or the way you write songs made you guys want to continue to put out records in this phase of the band? We're just really bad at making new friends, I think. The main thing. <laughs> <laughs> We have yeah. a very specific taste. Well, that's part of it. Yeah, um, that sums it up. But we also, yeah. Well, we also had. I don't know. We just like making music together, and yeah. I feel like we have more. I felt like it was good. Like, in, in, it was like a project to work on that was not like raising children or like doing like <laughs> it's or, or like it was good to like get back to something that was like for ourselves or or like I, I don't know. I just feel like when we when we made music, it was like a very certain type of like creativity, and it's like hard to find that in other places. So I was just like, how can we get back to that, even if it's like in a different way? Yeah, and I mean, actually, all joking aside, in terms of like actually making new friends to make music with, like we kind of just make parenting friends now (laughs) we're not really like going out on the scene very much and meeting other musicians at this point um so it's really nice to have people that really get you and you can just speak the same language with and And we've been like playing music together in different forms for over like 20 years so because we played music together in college um so it's like 
sort of hard to just strike up a band with someone else when you don't have that um, long-term experience. <laughs> I've never wanted to really like seek out other people to play music with actually. So. <laughs> It's either a solo project or it's Radical Dad. So we'll see where that goes. Cool. So the three of you met at college. Where'd you go to college? And was there a previous incarnation of this project before Radical Dads? And what was it, if so? Well, I went to Brown and Robbie and Chris went to Connecticut College. And we played in a band not all together at the same time. <laughs> How do you explain this? <laughs> you, got, you guys were in a band called Made in Canada. And then Chris graduated. Chris was a year ahead of me. And then he was back in New Jersey. And then I joined the band. So it was Chris and Lindsay and some other people, and then me and Lindsay and some other people. And then I guess when I finished school, when did that brand end? At the end of school, basically. We should we should digitize that stuff. Made in Canada, there's some gems there. I feel like it was, at least when I was in it, I feel like it was like somewhat similar to Radical Dads. Yeah. It was like two guitars and drums. <laughs> yeah. And there was a bit yeah. more like instrument switching, I feel like, but yeah. for the most part, it was like, what can we do with two guitars and drums? And I came in with a bass guitar. Whoa. Shit. Got crazy. And we recorded with Keith Souza. Keith Souza. Which we recorded <laughs> Radical Dads with later on. But then we'd all disperse around the world. And uh, we're in different projects. And Chris and I were in a band before that, too, called The Glorious Nosebleed. You guys have a knack at good band names. <laughs> I'll have to hit you up if I ever start writing and recording my own music. I don't know. I I've, started, I've started to question Radical Dads now that we've become actual parents. It's, it's a bit more problematic. That was bad for There's <laughs> <laughs> pressure to be radical, right? Now. In the past, you could just say, it's just our band name. We're not dads. We don't need to be radical. Now you gotta be. You've gotta be. So it's impressive because Paved Mountain is sounds just as good, if not better, than your other three records, but it was written and recorded completely separately while the three of you are in different parts of the world. What was that process like? What were the challenging aspects of that? Or was it easy for you guys since you've been collaborators for a really long time. Tom, we have a secret for you. It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a big reveal. This is going to be a scoop for you. Oh my gosh. I could see this will, be, this will play well on like billboard.com as well, but it'll be scooped by you, Tom Gallo. But we did not actually write and record this separately. Um, for the most oh part, it was gosh. like... <laughs> Shocker! Oh my gosh. Parts, there were some parts that were... were the media, these other media sources have lied to people. <laughs> yeah. Shit. I feel like many, like probably like, I don't know, like 60 to 70% of the material we had like recorded in some form over the previous like, I don't know, 10 years or something. We just like hadn't finished it. Yes. Yeah, so I think we were, the way, the way I've been thinking of it, we were very 
purist in the early days about keeping it guitar, guitar, drums. And for whatever reason, most of these songs, some of these songs were recorded, were started during the first record and they just weren't working. And now that we were coming back around to them now, all bets were off. We didn't need to think about playing them live. So what this song really needs is six guitar overdubs. And this song needs a keyboard part or whatever. It sort of freed us up. And I think it helped really. I noticed some cool keyboard parts. Robbie, did you play those keyboard parts? I'm trying to think of what song. It, it, it was very uh, Flying Nunny to me. Our institution. The one with the video. The institution, yes. Yes, yes. That, that is the, the great video. Yeah. Um, yeah, that one. I think, I don't know if there's keyboards on any other. There might be some little parts elsewhere. But yeah, that's the most prominent one. Did we add any other weird stuff? Mostly it was just tons and tons of guitars. Chris just like adding tracks upon tracks. I was just hitting, sitting home alone. Yeah. I was like, what can I do today? I'll do some guitar overdubs and just do, keep doing it all day. <laughs> no, keep going. Sorry. I would say, but yeah, before like what Robbie was saying, I think is it's kind of true that we were like, well, when we were playing shows live, we were like, so we sort of wrote songs that we could credibly reproduce as the three of us on stage. Um, so I feel like we would always be like, okay, this is like kind of the limit of what we can play live. And now this time we were like, well, we're probably not going to do any touring for this. So let's just, let's just make it into whatever the, re the, the recording is like the thing. And we'll just be happy with the recording and not worry about reproducing it. So that, yeah, that's, I think that's like the sea and tiny black holes in particular were ones that I always loved. I thought they were some of our best songs, but we just couldn't figure them out for playing them live very well or getting them to sound big enough on the recordings. And I feel like we did a good job with them this time. I'm pretty psyched about them. Yeah, that's cool. That is kind of the freedom of being a studio only band. I'm a big fan of XTC, the British band. Yeah. And in the documentary, they talk about that a lot after they decided to stop touring. It allows you to kind of expand what's possible with your songwriting and recording it. So that's pretty cool. Totally. It's it's good you use that as a reference and not like Sgt. Pepper because Chris, Chris and Lindsay can't stand the Beatles. So it's good to oh, wow, really? stay, stay away from that. <laughs> The XTC basically is the beat, kind of like, sounds like the Beatles, though, so you probably wouldn't like them. <laughs> but <laughs> um, that's that's a hot take. That's another scoop. Radical yeah, Dads, two-thirds, does not like the Beatles. Yeah. Interesting. It's our, one, it's our main source of conflict in the band. Yeah. <laughs> we agree on everything else, but won't talk about the Beatles. Interesting. What do you think? You think they're overrated? Or just not? You just think they suck? No, it's extremely overrated. I think it's really hard to to appreciate them, like, you know, being alive when we're alive, because it's just sort of like looking at Monet's water lilies on, like, a calendar. You know, you're like, I guess that's okay. I don't know. Like, that's like... <laughs> That's fine art. I don't know. It looks kind of like something. I, I don't know. I I um. So when I listen to the Beatles, I feel like that. Like I'm I'm. And it's too bad because I'm sure I would have had a different experience if I had grown up at a different time. But to me, the Kinks sound like far superior or the Who. 
sound far superior to the Beatles. Wow. Or any, basically any other. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. I That's know okay. I'm Don't worry. Setting everybody, but hey, I love the Kinks, the Who. <laughs> I like the Who. And the Rolling Stones, I like the Rolling Stones as well. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. We could all agree on that. We can yeah. agree on that. This is a fun podcast. We're here to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to fight uh, it. I'm not going to get in fights about this. I just... Sorry, sorry my fault. Bringing it Robbie. Up. We just want to give you all the scoops. Yeah. So... So are you basically looking at Radical Dads now as a record-only project, or do you see any type of live aspect in the future, or you're not sure? We don't know. We got invited to play at a wedding in Amsterdam, so, you know, we we could have rekindled live magic. I think for the time being, we don't have any live aspirations. I think we're trying to think about how to... So like we said, we most of these songs were all... I mean, all these songs were started together. So it would be interesting to now try to do some new songs. Have you tried that at all? Like over in quarantine, I've heard about people that they collaborate with jamming over Zoom or sharing ideas. Have you yeah, tried Taylor, that yet? Taylor or? Swift has a new album out, totally remote, right? Yeah. With the what National. The fuck? <laughs> yeah. WTF. Um, yeah, so we'll probably just follow that template. Imagine. Get Aaron from the National to get on the call. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. I'll Aaron, Aaron. Dressner, right? That's his name. You're, you're friends yeah. with them, right, Ryan? Yeah, I know them. Oh yeah, that's right. Because you were in Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah, right? Correct. Yeah. So. Sick. Yeah, those guys. Yeah. <laughs> we went on a different tra- trajectory though than the National. <laughs> we sort of cratered and. They sort of kept going <laughs> wherever they're going. I don't know where they are now. Who knows where they're going? I mean, they're going to collaborating with Taylor Swift, which I think is kind of lame. So <laughs> whatever. So let's talk about the record specifically now. I really like the songs on the record. I know there's an overarching theme of art and kind of how art transcends life or is applied to life um tell me a little bit about the themes lyrically of the record and what message you were trying to convey i feel like Lindsay. Lindsay always has these great lyrics that i always wanted i actually like wanted to change the order of the album i mean i always want to change the order of the album to like try to tell more of a story and connect it all this is the like the sergeant pepper love bringing it back trying to tie it all together and Lindsay doesn't usually connect the dots like that, but <laughs> I feel like this one did kind of kind of come together in certain thematic ways. But perhaps Maybe. it was like unintentional or something. Like I feel like we wrote the, the songs are just from like so many different time periods. I don't know, something mm-hmm. I'm wrong here. It, I mean, I feel like we like yeah. retro, we like retroactively apply this like this like theme to the record. But that was like after writing all the songs and recording all of them. And then we're like, okay, we're going to put it together under this title. Like, I feel like we didn't, like, set out with, like, a concept in mind or something. Or I didn't. I wasn't aware of that concept. <laughs> I really like Don't Want to Go, though, which, Lindsay, you said was inspired by the book The Heart and the Sea about what inspired Melville to write Moby Dick. Which I thought when you also spoke about the themes of how art can resonate with life, 
I felt like that was a pretty direct example of how his story resonated with his art. Were, were you thinking of that when you read his story? Um, yeah, I just, I mean, I'm pretty obsessed with, with uh, Herman Melville and Moby Dick. And so I wrote like a lot of songs, or I have written a lot of songs about that topic. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it's weird. We like don't normally like, I, I don't normally write that much about what the lyrics are about, but for this one, I was just like, eh, here we go. Let's, let me tell you all about my thought process. I don't know, for some reason, like his, his life experience and his work and sort of the, the, the appreciation of his work later on, there's something in there that's like very interesting to me. And I don't know, so I keep writing songs about it, but they don't really, like they don't have to be about that. They can be about whatever anyone wants them to be about. Yeah, that's what a, people, a lot of people say that, it's, and it's totally true. Every, a song is different to everyone who listens to it. But I do think it's, it's interesting how into Melville you are. Because I hated Moby Dick and Bartleby the Scribner. I remember that. And I also did not like that. Really? Yeah. See, I'm deep into Bartleby. It's like your Beatles. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. Bartleby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did, uh, do you love Bartleby the Scribner? What, what was yeah. this thing? It was, I prefer not to. That was my gateway into Melville. Bartleby was the first thing that I ever read by him. And now it's just like, I just- Is it very, you know what? I, I take it back. I don't hate Bartleby the Scrivener. I think it just like hit me really hard too. And I was like, this is fucked up and really depressing type of thing. Uh, I don't know. It just it's like really, there's something like, I don't even, I don't even know. Like, I'm not very good at talking about it. I guess that's why I write songs about it. Herman Melville has had a big influence on radical dads. You wouldn't think that, but it, he has. He must have been a radical dad. I don't know. <laughs> Gotta be I think some connection. He was. I don't think he was happy about it. I really love that music video for Institution. You 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 drew it, right? You drew the the whole thing, Rob. Yeah, yeah. I kind of got out of control. With <laughs> That's part of the reason the album took so long to make. Is we kind of finished it, and then I said, oh, "I'll just start this video, see what happens," and then. A year later, I was almost done. But yeah, yeah, it was fun to actually put together a bunch of stuff and make us a real video. Cool. And you know, the band paid me handsomely for it. So <laughs> it's totally worth it financially. Yeah, I loved the use of colored pencils. I miss using colored pencils in that video. Thanks, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen uh, a lot of colored pencil animations. I don't know if I'm a pioneer. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm just <laughs> not not aware. <laughs> we need more of those, no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah, just takes a long time, it turns out. But yeah, I didn't really, I didn't dig into what the lyrics were about until afterwards, Lindsay finally told me what it was about, um, which was cool because I took it in a totally different direction. Which is probably why Lindsay doesn't really like talking about lyrics in general, is because everybody kind of takes their own interpretation of the lyrics. And once you really like know what the lyrics are about in any song, really, you're kind of like, oh, that's what this song is about. But I feel like I do that all the time listening to anything. I hear, I just catch one line or the chorus or whatever, and then you kind of get an idea of 
what you think it's about. I do that with like Brazilian music that's not even in English. <laughs> I think I hear a phrase or something and I'm like, oh, that's what that song's about. It's not even close. I feel like this is the first time I knew what any of the songs were about on any of our records. I also think like it's some, like what Robbie was saying, like it takes a little of the like, sometimes it can take the magic out of it if you like find out what a song is about. Cause you like, it's like so important to you and so like magical. And then you're like, oh, it's about like the, doing the dishes that day. And you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> or I, I don't know. As for me anyway, that's, I feel like whenever I find out what inspired the artist to make it or like some reference point, I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't know that. Yeah. Or even these, all the TV shows now, like you watch like Game of Thrones and then they immediately end the episode and show you the behind the scenes stuff, which is like kind of cool. But then you, I don't know, it takes the magic away. You know, <laughs> it takes you out of that world. Radical Dads and Game of Thrones. Another comparison that everyone's made in heaven. So so (laughs) how much of this record was songs you had maybe written previously and partially recorded previously? And how much of it is more recent uh, written and recorded output for the band it sort of spans um, the entire time we've been a band right i mean all the songs were recorded in some fashion before we like sort of picked it up again and started like sort of working on it three years ago or however long ago that was yeah but actually yeah i'm looking at it four of them were from the first record at the time of the first record we started them two of them are between around the second record and two of them were from the last from universal coolers and, and what was it like revisiting these songs from your past was was it nostalgic or wh- what was it like what was your reaction revisiting these songs for this new record i feel like mostly it was like why did we reject this one <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i mean because there i mean there was a few more that we actually rejected but i don't know yeah all and i mean it goes back to what i was saying about like that they just needed a little bit more all of these were ones that was like oh i really like this song why did we stop working on this one i'm sure it must have been because now no like time restraints of studio time and stuff maybe you had more time to think and flesh those songs out give them the time and attention they need yeah i yeah, like some exactly. of them was, was, there's some like practical reason we didn't finish it or something where we were like we couldn't get the, re- the recording of it right or there was some it's not that we didn't like the song, I just feel like we just like didn't get far enough with the recording previously and having just like, yeah, having like sort of no timeline or no deadlines, just like treat us up. Yeah. Was there any thought, because this is sort of a record of B-sides, you did make it sound pretty cohesive though. So was there any thought for sequencing or things like that that you did or things that you did to make each song kind of sound like, hey, this can be on the same record type of thing? There was a lot of thought put into that. <laughs> <laughs> I always over-sequence every album. I, I, I keep emailing everyone, like, hey, what about this order? They're like, okay, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> Try it out. And then by the time they looked at it, I already have two more orders figured out. <laughs> and then usually Chris or Lindsay comes up with an order, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that, that sounds good. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> so one um, technical aspect of the songs all sort of fitting together is that we had this, we had, um, when we were done with the songs, we sent them all to like one person to like mix them and then one person to master them. So I feel like they sort of like hang together sonically because um, they're all like kind of treated in the same way. Yeah. We were like messing around with the album sequence. So I feel like they had a sort of a similar energy because 
they were all like treated together as an, an, an album to be mixed as an album and then mastered as an album. Also, the, before that, we were we did a lot of overdub. We, we keep talking about how they all started before, but all of them got did. We did do a lot of overdubs remotely, um, vocals, mostly vocals and guitars. And I feel like that helped too. That there were maybe some similar guitar sounds going down on all of them. And yeah, we were adding a lot of extra touches to everything, and I think that tied it together a lot too. All right. Well, let's play some songs from Paved Mountain. I'm really excited to share three awesome songs from the record with everyone we're gonna hear the first track vanishing point the second track don't want to go and the fourth track institution
right, we're back. We heard three songs from my guest Radical Dad's brand new album, Paved Mountain. We heard Vanishing Point, Don't Wanna Go, and Institution. If you liked what you heard, you can get Paved Mountain on vinyl via RadicalDads.com. And now we're moving on to the second part of the show where Radical Dads pick some records from our record collection and we're going to talk about them and then we're going to play them. I don't know what you picked. I'm looking forward to being surprised. I love this part. I love talking about music you like. I feel like we're on the same wavelength as far as music we like, the, the four of us. I think if we were hanging out we would be listening to the same records and having a lot of fun and stuff. Yeah, I started looking through your record selection collection and trying to like take some notes, and then I started to realize like I, I could just literally pick any song that I like, and probably it's in your collection. <laughs> There's a lot of overlap. So, Robbie, tell me what tell me what you picked, man. <laughs> well, I went with I was looking through your old interviews, and I actually don't know a lot of those artists, but I know the Stropies or Stroopies. They're awesome. Yeah, so I'm going to go with, did, wait, do you have their first EP or whatever? Gravity I have Star? everything. Everything. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. Of course you do. <laughs> I'm going to go with Gravity is Stern. That first That's song a great song. They are... See, I mean, I love Australian music. I love what's going on in Melbourne. For the last 15 years a lot of great bands but the stroppies okay. that first ep and their successive album and they just put out a new ep as well they really capture that classic australian sound and gravity astern is a wonderful song side one song one <laughs> yeah side one song one that's great hey robbie what if i play uh what if i also play since you're in clap your hands say yeah what if i play skin of my yellow country teeth oh yes. dang wow <laughs> i don't remember that one but in this home on ice. ice sure how'd you wind up in because I, I i am curious about this how'd you wind up in clap your hands say yeah and you know what was that like because i remember when the band kind of broke it was kind of a self-released debut album, and then it kind of just, like, took off. I know. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. Um, we were all Connecticut College, too, actually. We, uh, But then we all moved to New York, basically, and uh, Alec had a bunch of demos, and then we, like, formed a band. And I don't know. In the early days, I was, like, kind of in a few practices, and then the band formed without me. And then, then they, like, wanted someone else again and they had this girl i can't remember her name in the band and she was playing some keyboard or something and sean was like you do you play any keyboards robbie like, yeah i can do a little bit i can do some stuff and he's like do you know notes <laughs> like <laughs> notes like abc on the keyboard like, yeah i know notes okay you'll be better than her so that was <laughs> my main tryout <laughs> um but yeah so I don't know. We were just, I mean, we just made the album just like, I feel like all of our bands ever make an album. You know, we're just like, oh, let's put it on a CD. And, and then somehow it just took off. Uh, it was pretty exciting. 
Yeah, that must have been fun. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah, it was kind of a whirlwind um, perception warping experience. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Is your perception still warped, or were you able to unwarp it? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've slowly been unwarping ever since. He ironed out <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. <laughs> But yeah, it was it was pretty fun. It's just interesting because it was kind of this height. I remember it because I was in college during the time. This real indie rock height of all these great bands and things like that. So it's cool that you were kind of riding that wave type of thing. Yeah, it was it was exciting. Yeah. Um, and then we sort of went in different directions, <laughs> stylistically, musical choices. Um, I mean, Alec is still going. He's uh, basically the whole band quit. <laughs> I wonder if he's a nice guy then. Hmm. <laughs> no comment. Who knows? He's, he's, he's fine. He has very strong opinions about certain things. Sounds that's usually if the whole band quits, that's usually <laughs> the case. Just an assumption. <laughs> All right, Chris or Lindsay, you're next. Um, this is the part of the show where I talk about the smithereens. Hell yeah, I was hoping you would. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so in your collection, you have um, Green Green Thoughts um, by the smithereens, and the drummer of the smithereens is named Dennis Dykin, and he's first cousin of my dad. Um, so I, I grew up like knowing that there was like a professional rock musician in my family. So like, since I was like a little kid, I was always like loved smithereens. And to this day, like, I don't know. I feel like I obviously I'm a bit biased and don't really have an objective perspective on the smithereens, but I still like do think their music like holds up. So the song I chose is the world, the world we know, which I think is like the fourth song on green thoughts. And it has like one of the most like one of the, the, the catchiest like I think the, the verse is actually much like catchier than the chorus of the song. Um, and it just like grabs me right from the beginning. It still hasn't. It's still holding on to you. and You're not even listening to the song right now. I know. It kind of, it, I would say it warped my perspective, actually. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of warping and radical. I have yet to be unwarped. You don't need to be unwarped after listening to a great band like the Smithereens. Great just pop songwriting. I love the Smithereens, and it's cool that they've been able to continue uh, with front, different front people that honor Pat Denizio. Uh When they play with, I've seen them play with Marshall Crenshaw. It's a really great way to honor his legacy and can still continue the band. It's a it's cool because a lot of bands won't do that if their lead singer passes away or isn't involved. I guess more bands are doing it. I saw Stone Temple Pilots is going to cover Core in its entirety, and I'm like, but Scott Weiland's dead, guys. It could be horrible, but I guess it could, it, I don't know, like anything. Depends on who you get and the intention behind it, I guess. Yeah, like to, to, the, to me, like Marshall Crenshaw is probably the perfect guy to continue on playing smithereen songs he's got that same good pop sensibility to his songwriting so it's it's good in my book man it's good in my book (laughs) (laughs) all right love that 
familial connection. Everyone, I just want to say that I guessed that when Chris told me his last name was Dykin <laughs> via email. I said, hey, are you related to Dennis Dykin because you're both from New Jersey of the Smithereens? And he said, yes. So everybody be impressed with me for knowing that Dennis Dykin is the drummer of the Smithereens. I was impressed. You're the first Hell person yeah. to catch it. That was impressive. You, no one can see, but I have my arms up. <laughs> Victory. All right, Lindsay, what did you pick? Well, I'm, I think I'm going to pick an Eleanor Friedberger song because you mentioned her when you wrote about the album. Yeah, I, I liked it. I, I felt like you had a, a similar voice, but more more passionate. You are my favorite person <laughs> in the whole world. Sorry. <laughs> I love Eleanor Friedberger and um, yeah, so that was really, really nice. I don't know if I can really, I don't, I don't feel that way, but I, I'm glad you do. I, I feel that way. <laughs> Definitely. I heard it for sure. Cool. So um, I listened to that album. Well, I still listen to that album last summer, like a lot, like, pretty much all, you know, once a month at least, still. But for a while I was listening to it just like on repeat and all the, all the songs are good, but I mean, My Mistakes is pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome, fun, so. great album. Great album cover too. Just her face, right? Yeah. Can't go wrong. <laughs> her, her songwriting is, I wish that I could write songs like she does, just the, I don't know. I love. I love like she's always like referencing place locations and like sort of obscure, obscure, like very specific memories. Um, so when I do when I when I go off on my solo project, which you'll be interviewing me for in a few weeks, um, I'll uh, explore those like very specific locations. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah, yeah. I love art and specific <laughs> locations. And do you have another one, Lindsay? Tell me. We have time for one more song in this portion of the program. Okay. <laughs> no. I mean, I don't know. When we were okay. talking about Times New Viking before, I was like, oh, maybe Times New Viking. That would be awesome. I love Times New Viking. And I meant I meant this as no disrespect to Times New Viking. When when Lindsay, when you said you were from Columbus, Ohio, I was thinking while listening to all of your music that you, you've got a Times New Viking vibe, but uh, more polished, I'd say, a little more uh, more polished, more like their last record is is the Radical Dads sound, I'd say. And I'm a big fan of that band, and I love all their records, but some of them, you know, they just did did on the four track and just sent it to, which I always thought was the, the coolest thing about them, because reading interviews with them, they were just like all art students, and that was kind of their part of the art they were making was, yeah, we're just doing it on a four track, that's it. And we sent it to Merge and Matador, and that's that's what it is. I'm like, that's pretty badass, you know. There's no uh, no no thought of just like, you know, oh, we we have a a deal with, you know, two of the biggest indie labels in the world, but we're you know this is part of our statement, 
they're one of my favorite bands. I always thought they were so cool and interesting. I'm sorry, I'm rambling about Times New Roman. <laughs> good, good stuff. Yeah, I, I think when our band started, I was listening to Times New Viking and No Age and Jay Retard. Those were like like big influences yeah. when we first started writing together. That was like I just wanted to be like those three bands combined. Like Don't Want to Go is like one of their songs. Like yeah, heavily influenced by those three bands. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So yeah. do you would you like to play a Times New Viking song? And no. if so, what song? <laughs> uh, you don't want to? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I didn't write one down, but I. I don't know. I don't know which one. You guys have I have a... everything they've ever released. So <laughs> if you can think of a song by them, we can play it. There's one called Imagine Dead John Lennon. If you want to get another Beatles dig in. Yeah, let's do that. I love that song. Well, the song I was going to, uh, the, the one that I thought of the first was uh, Silver Jews Trains Across the Sea. Oh, we could totally play that. That's one of my all-time favorite songs. I love that song. I think that's like one of the best songs ever. Maybe ever. Oh, perfect. All right. So we're playing the records that Radical Dads picked. Here we go. Top picks. Top picks. Go against the ground 
out all that's left is ashes of a broken heart There's no use, my friend, in all your talk, talk, talking when your world's apart When the fire burns out, all that's left is ashes of a broken heart And you're left to think about the lies she told you when you broke apart
troubles, no troubles on the line. And I can't stand to see you, I can't stand to see you when you're crying at home. Scotch and penicillin Please try Carlton A cold black maple hanger And husbands on the run I just got back from a dream attack That took me by surprise And in there I met a lady Her name was Shaded Sides And she said played radical dad's picks and sadly time is up for this podcast but i had a wonderful time speaking with robbie chris and Lindsay via zoom we're all over the world right now new jersey california sweden hey that's the beauty of technology we're able to come together talk about your new record paved mountain talk about other artists as well and what you've been up to what's what's next to the band are you gonna write any more music together and stuff what's what's coming up anything i think we might yeah i mean when you asked earlier if we would like ever play live together again i'm kind of like i'm not ruling that out i hope i hope so (laughs) Just will anyone play live again? Yeah. Well, 2021 or 2022, if you come back to New Jersey, we'll put on a we'll put on a gig or something. There you go. We'll figure Storm it King. out. Storm King. Yeah, we'll call up Storm King, the <laughs> Art Center. The Art Center. There you go. 
We only play art right. from now on. <laughs> gonna be outdoors, so coronavirus safe. You're, You're right. right. Fuck coronavirus, by the way. Messing up everything. All right, let's play one more song to end the show. Let's play The Sea. I love that song. Off a paved mountain. Everyone, if you loved the songs from Paved Mountain that we played on the show today, you can get it on vinyl. I did. It sounds awesome on vinyl, these songs. Radicaldads.bandcamp.com. It's a limited edition vinyl pressing. And I believe, Robbie, you're shipping them out, aren't you? (laughs) They're coming from California. Coming from Cali. You also have a lot of... You have a a whole bunch of other great... We still have RadicalDads.com. If you just go there, it'll take you right to Bandcamp. RadicalDads.com. Hey, cool. You got a bunch of t-shirts. A lot of stuff there. You guys got a bunch of merch robbie you must just have a closet full of radical dad stuff right we're trying to clean out the closet (laughs) prices are slashed (laughs) got a lot of deals over here go there get it um seriously i wholeheartedly endorse getting a copy of this awesome album paved mountain not only is the music great but after talking to you guys today I can confirm you're great people too. Thank you, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Feeling is mutual. Any time. Everyone, we'll see you next time. This is The Sea by Radical Dads. Oh